If you go down to the woods today, be sure of a big surprise. If you go down to the woods today, you'll probably lose your eyes. This is Devil Times 5. Heidi hi campers, this is episode 7 of the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast. The sun is shining and it's time to go to summer camp. I'm Cliff and my fellow guy ropes and girl ropes are CJ, Richard, Sarah and Holly. Hello. Hello. Uh, later we'll be talking about films where people set up camp slap bang in the middle of a serial killer's lair. So, CJ, have you ever pitched a tent somewhere inappropriate? Oh <laughs> I'm not even going to take the bait on that one. Uh... <laughs> okay, any, any tales of camping horror from anyone? Holly, you must have been to summer camp. Uh, never been to summer camp, but my whole family would go camping every summer when I was a kid. And the closest... Uh, thing to dying didn't involve a murderer but it was the middle of the night and it just started like downpouring rain out of nowhere thunder lightning flooding so we had to pack up and leave in the middle of the night and the drive home was the scariest part because I'm pretty sure like my aunt uncle and my parents were all drunk because we were fucking camping you know like that's the least <laughs> that they, they were at least drunk so it was it was pretty horrifying on the way home but we made it I mean, one of the worst things I've ever seen when I've been camping was at a music festival and after our first night there in the morning the girls in the tent next to us um, packed up and moved somewhere else and they were like why, 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 are you, why are you moving and during the night someone had done a shit a big runny shit all over their tent all over the outside of their yeah. tent wow oh. Cliff what the hell there was a <laughs> there was a there was a little paper cup next to the tent in in the pool of shit that, so oh. I, I i suspect it was two girls that did it oh. and um oh, and uh, <laughs> um and also one of the people i was camping with had some trousers stolen out of his little tent porch so uh whoever had done it had obviously shit their kecks and um <laughs> stolen the nearest available trousers <laughs> wow on my, on my well second night my second night at that same festival i was kept awake most of the night by two blokes who had moved into those girls pitch um playing a newton faulkner album all night and talking about how much they love newton faulkner so i'm not sure which was the shittier night really out of those two. Uh, <laughs> that's why i don't go to musical uh, festivals <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i'm still doing it still doing it. three this summer only one camping though right uh let's talk about our highs and lows of horror viewing from the last well six weeks since our last we last recorded so uh, yeah let's start with you sarah Oh, no, don't start with me. Um, okay. Yeah, you can start with me. Why not? Um, my <laughs> high is going to be Wish Upon, which I saw two days ago at the cinema. Um, and I suspect that you, Cliff, specifically will hate it <laughs> if you ever see it. It's um, very much one of those kind of teen horrors uh, where a teenage girl gets given a magical object that grants wishes, but also takes a blood price. Uh, and it's just delightful. It's really like Final Destination-y. Right. And you're low? Milo, I think, is going to be something that we watched this morning called Final Recall, which is Wesley Snipes versus Aliens, and it's just what? shit. <laughs> Richard's eyes just lit up when you said that. <laughs> what was so bad about that? Mostly the acting. Like, the acting's terrible, but also it just tries to do too many things. Uh, I think it has about four different writers credited, and I think they were all writing a different story and like not telling the others. It's just garbled and, yeah, useless. All right, Richard, what are your highs and lows? <laughs> Uh, my highlight is a rewatch of Dawn of the Dead, George okay. Romero. Yep. 
I don't know, not much mm-hmm. else to say. One of my favorite horror movies of all time. Certainly I've never, Romero's best. I've never not a fan? Been, I, I don't hate it. I've just What's never wrong with you? really well it's just, <laughs> it's it's too long. There's too oh. much sort of slapstick. No. No. Um, no. The the zombie makeup is dreadful. Okay, you you got a point. That one I'll give you. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the makeup is pretty. It's great. Yeah. I love those green faces. Yeah. marvelous. Green and blue paint. No, I'm, I'm a Day of the Dead man myself. I, I love, love Day of the Dead, yeah, but they're all great. Uh, I mean, we, we watched three, the uh, longest version, and it, I don't know it, it doesn't feel long to me. At Not all. at all. Mm. No, I agree. Also, it really reminds me of when I was ill with. Um, I think glandular fever or something when I was a kid, so uh, I've got that kind of bad association with it, which I think might cloud my judgment a bit. Probably. Are you low? Um, I really struggle with my low this time because I honestly haven't watched many bad horror movies this month. Um, what? How is that possible? I'm sure I have, but I guess I've liked, <laughs> liked at least liked all of them. So I'll have to go with um, 2011's Priest, um, okay. starring. Mark Kermode's favorite actor, Paul Bettany, is the uh, titular priest, which is this post-apocalyptic alternative universe thing. Uh, there's been this ages-long battle between humans and vampires, and these priests were kind of like trained vampire killers, and they get rid of all the vampires, and you know, X amount of years later, they show up. And this priest, played by Paul Bettany, takes on the vampires again. Uh, kind of like Underworld, minus the werewolves. It was, you know, okay. Sounds like those superhero shit to me. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like... It's like fantasy action, more than yeah. horror. I've seen a lot of kind of middle-in films these last few weeks, and uh, my low light is also something that I I feel is a bit um, un- unfair to call it a low light because it should be so much fun. It's um, Ruggiero Diodato's Dial Help. Any of you seen that? It's about yeah. killer telephones. Yeah, I like yeah. that one. Amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's got a point of view shop of, shot of a phone kind of crawling across the carpet <laughs> to attack someone. There's a, the, the heroine at one point is writhing around in a lingerie in ecstasy, rubbing a phone over herself. <laughs> Um, wow. there's, <laughs> it should be brilliant it's so much fun but it's but it's also so many dead points in it where it's just like they're just boring for ages I don't know why um, it was it just un- underplays how brilliant it should be it isn't it's not brilliant it should be I'll happily watch it again and <laughs> give it another shot but also um, uh, the heroine's phone is made by um, is it Giorgio Armani Armani the fashion designer mm. And it, it looks like a horrible brick with a blue light on it, and it makes this horrible screeching ringtone. I was watching the film on the train with, with headphones on, obviously, and a bloke three fucking seats away from me, every time that phone rang, or at one point when this phone rang, he looked over at me and said, turn it down, turn it down. So, And he was wearing headphones as well. He was listening to something. <laughs> so this screechy ringtone is so fucking obnoxious. It must wow. have been pissing the whole carriage off. Um, and... I think for that reason, that's my low light. That that particular point, being ringtone shamed on the train, <laughs> thanks to <laughs> thanks to an Armani phone, uh, as my low light. My highlight is uh, Night of Something Strange from a couple of years ago, which is like a very kind of extreme um, zombie movie mixed with total gross-out comedy, and it took me a while to get into it because um, just it was 
too puerile even for me at first. Which is like everything's about bodily fluids, every bodily fluid you can imagine. But then once uh, once this STD virus, sexually transmitted virus, turns people into zombies and people are being killed by dicks and and hungry <laughs> oh, that's why you love things it. like that, <laughs> I got into wow. it. It was it's, uh, it's good fun. I really and also it's got an amazing ending. One of those great punchline endings where you just yeah punch punch the air and go yes, what fucking brilliant end. So no, it's something strange. That was good. You had me at um, killed by dicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holly, Hi. move on to you. Uh, my highlight, besides a rewatch of Dawn of the Dead, I'd go with the German drama with an undercurrent of fantasy and horror called Der Nachtmar, The Nightmare, from 2015. Uh, I loved the monster. Really great performances. Nods to E.T. and Risky Business. Uh, there was a role for Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth, and wow. I just I loved the monster and troubled protagonist relationship. It was really cool, highly recommended. And my low light was um, the monster from 2016, Brian Bertino, the guy that did The Strangers and Mockingbird. Oh, um, I wrote in my <laughs> entry on Letterboxd that it's basically Cujo minus the dog and minus good performances. Uh, it's very stagey, <laughs> boring. Oh, it's so dumb. has a horrible ending <laughs> that thinks it's cleverer than it is. And, you know, I just, I don't like a movie that's about a woman and her daughter and their relationship written by a man because it's just so false. There's nothing believable about their relationship or the way they talk to each other. The whole time I'm like, yeah, I get that it's a troubled relationship and the mother's like an alcoholic or whatever, but that's still not how women talk to each other, especially a mother and daughter. So It's a, it's a being trapped in a car with a monster yes. kind of thing, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of it. But... And CJ, finally. My highlights was the same as Sarah's, I'm afraid. It was Wish Upon. Uh, oh, I got the same to, thing. I'd love to pick a different you film. Can. But Wish Upon was so much better than anything else that I saw this month. I uh, just loved it. Really, really cool little film. Um, I, I just want to pick that up. I want people to go and see Wish Upon because it's, it's wicked. Um, whereas my low light was Hands of Love. Uh, which I don't even want to talk about for very long because if I start, I'm not going to stop. Um, I really fucking hated it. I thought it was crass, puerile, idiotic, man's take on uh, the horror of rape. Just awful. (laughs) So I've got a few hours to kill on Tuesday evening and I'm going to go to the cinema and the choices it seems to be a wish upon or hounds of love. Well, <laughs> and you know which one I'm, I'm going to. I'm yeah, you're going to go and see Hands of Love, and you'll you'll probably love yeah. it. Well, I'm going to try and see them both, but yeah, I think Hands of Love is <laughs> more appealing to me. I'm afraid. Cliff, you're such a fucking depraved <laughs> lunatic. Like I, I hear CJ say this, and I'm like, I got to take a hard pass on that. And Cliff is like drooling, literally drooling. I gotta watch this right away. <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, Cliff likes a lot of really bad movies exploitation stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah I've heard good things about it when it was over in the American festivals and everything yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's the kind of film that will play well to critics I think it will play less well to horror fans but maybe I'm wrong right okay that's our highs and lows now it's time to ask the question are you a happy camper good 
And our first feature this month is 1983's Sleepaway Camp, directed by Robert Hiltzik. Dear Mom and Dad, I've been at a sleepaway camp for almost three weeks, and I'm getting very scared. Welcome to Sleepaway Camp. Someone is watching you. Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Turn it! Turn the wheel! camp. You won't be coming home. Five years after she witnessed her dad and her brother die in a boating accident, introverted 13-year-old Angela goes to summer camp with her older cousin Ricky. While he's trying to get off with teenage girls, she's being attacked and bullied, but it's not long before her tormentors start turning up dead. So, Sleepaway Camp's an interesting one, isn't it? It's a lot more plot than your average early 80s slasher, hasn't it? Holly, what do you want to say about Sleepaway Camp? I, I love it, and my favourite character is obviously Mel, the camp <laughs> owner. I mean, I'm not, I'm not in love with him like Meg. I don't want to sleep with like a balding old man in golf pants who just yells everything. He doesn't even talk to people. But, but he uh, owns the camp. He owns the camp, yeah, doesn't he? So why wouldn't he want to sleep with him? Well, well, yeah, he's gross. Because he's rancid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's so gross. Disgusting. <laughs> like, he can be co-owner of a summer camp. I would, I would like have coffee with him and listen to him talk shit because it would be funny, but I wouldn't want to fuck him. That's really gross. <laughs> you know, the, um, the Wikipedia says about the actor, Mike Kellen, who played Mel, uh, Wikipedia describes him as having a coarse-featured face, tired eyes, and a flat, monotone voice. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Cutting. I love the bitch girl who is always like walking into shot from off screen with like a snotty remark at the ready. Like yeah. every, every time you see Angela, like the, the camera's like firmly pointed at Angela. And then this girl just like walks okay, go. in. Walks in and then just starts talking shit to Angela. It's so great. I love it. The best character is surely the aunt. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah. So she's like she's walked in off a of John Waters film. Yeah. Isn't it? It's like, uh, a little bit, yeah. Uh, she, she puts the camp into sleepaway camp, definitely. But, uh, yeah, she's great. Um, there's lots of sex- weird sexual politics about the film, isn't there? Obviously, like, we're yeah. going to go into obvious spoiler territory because you just can't talk about sleepaway camp without talking about the ending. Um, so Angela turns out not to be Angela, but her brother Peter. Um, what does that actually add to our understanding of the plot at all, if anything, or does it? Nothing. Is it just the amazing final shot? Is that all it's there for? I think yeah, it's it's probably there to shock more than anything, because uh, I mean it's it's an outrageous ending. Uh, I don't think it adds anything to the rest of the film if you know that Angela is uh, actually Peter. I think you know watching it again with that in mind, um, I was kind of looking out for the clues and for the. You know, this is where something's going to make sense, um, and it kind of it kind of doesn't do any of that. But yeah, there is it does so a little much. Bit. Hmm. It does oh, a little how, bit. how so? When uh, the aunt is actually a doctor, and when she's sending them off to camp, she's like, "Oh, I did your physicals. Oh, don't tell oh, them yeah. that I'm the one who did oh, yeah, them." Yeah, I mean, and Ricky, uh, he's like, "Oh, don't worry, I'm not saying anything to anyone," you know, and he's always there yeah. to protect her. <laughs> 
Oh, you get you get clues as to yeah. to what's what's coming, but I don't think you get um, like I don't know a, a, a good twist. I I feel kind of makes you view the whole film differently, like the story differently when when you know what's what's happened. Whereas I feel like even if you know that Angela's Peter, it doesn't really change much because she still goes along goes on the same journey. Yeah, the the fact that she's Peter isn't really her motive for killing or or her motive for anything. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love I love the ending. I, I think it's great. I think it's really well done and delivers a good punch. Um, but I'm not sure it does. It's interesting you say that because I remember us arguing in the pre-Devil Times five days about the ending of Orphan, the twist ending of Orphan, mm. which I don't think changes anything that's come. I think that, that changes everything. It changes loads. It changes yeah, everything. I think I think that's an it example of possibly the best twist I've ever seen in, in Orphan. I think I think it changes the entire story up until that point. Oh, I don't think um, it does. I think it just is a it's a fun twist, and it's like woo, but it doesn't actually make you go ah. That makes that's why that makes well, sense. Twist, twist no, is no, subjective, no. clearly. Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like you say, there's so much weird sexuality stuff in Sleepaway Camp. Anyway, there's a lot of um, homoerotic sequences. Uh, there's a lot about this kind of burgeoning sexuality in, in the kids. Uh, there's obviously the pedophile chef who's oh, got he's this, such a creep you know, yeah mm. and he's <laughs> like, like so openly a pedophile like he's talking yeah, to yeah, other adults yeah, yeah. at the camp it, about yeah. how much he loves it's children really they're like oh yeah take that little girl into the the freezer by yourself Give ice cream no no problem yeah, they just laugh it off yeah. i mean it's, it's but obviously what you know operation Utree and everything that is how it was in the 70s yeah. and 80s i guess people just go oh there's that pedo guy we work with he'll be he'll be bagging some 11 year old in a minute <laughs> and uh yeah it just looks weird now but um whose dad is it is it angela's dad having a, having a gay yeah. affair yeah um that's something that you don't expect to see in a early 80s mm-hmm. slash film there's no judgment yeah. about it is there it's just like her dad's having a secret gay affair there's even a, a nudie sex scene between the two blokes and it's as far as i can tell watching it now it just seems completely unjudgmental. But is do you think the idea is that it's supposed to be one of the things that turned Angela into a psycho? I don't know. I, I don't know how that would play. I think her aunt turned her into a psycho. I don't think you really get a good idea of Angela's motivation in this film. I think if oh, it has really. a flaw, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed it. I think if it does have a flaw, it is that lack of a, like, what? Why is Angela yeah. like this? Yeah, there's no real motive. <laughs> At all mm. to her killings, and as I said, there's no clues for the movie, like why she's killing, who who who's the, who the killer is. If you watch it again, it's well, well, no she's point. she's killing the people who are bullying her, isn't she mainly? Yeah. yeah, I thought it was almost too obvious. Like someone does something mean to her, and then they meet, and that's the end. Well, and yeah. there's no mm. kind of other suggestion that it might be anyone else. No, I think you're um, supposed to think it's Ricky, yeah. <laughs> which is so oh, great. But okay. it doesn't. It doesn't. Mm. Well. I didn't think that. <laughs> I just. That's the best. That's one of the best parts, just because you get to see the scenes with Mel and Ricky together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're incredible, just because Mel's in it. But those little kids in, in those little kids in the sleeping bags. Why does she kill her? Did did they throw sand at her? Well, let's her um, it might be the kids that did that. Because it's a slasher movie, we'll do what we do when we talk about slasher movies and have a body count. Body count. Body count. One. First death is John, the uh, the man, <laughs> the dad who's hit by the motorboat. There's nothing particularly exciting in that, is there? 
and uh, then off screen for narrative reasons Peter except it's actually Angela right okay does this one count then three does this number three Artie the cook who didn't die does he does he die do you think he dies in hospital no because he goes away on uh, the stretcher all bandaged up yeah Yeah, I thought there was something came in that he didn't die he could possibly die later but we don't know I mean, if Cropsy can live through being burned like that, mm. this guy, you know. It's true. In that case, three is Kenny, who... See, a lot of these kills are off-screen, aren't they? Because this, this is... Kenny is just found drowned. But he's quite a good makeup yeah. effect. And with so the snake good. coming out of his mouth and that. That's pretty gross. Yeah, let's get that. Uh, and then one of the strangest kills in all of Slashers, I think. Four. Billy stung by a nest of bees <laughs> in the like, toilet. Was he allergic to the bees? I don't understand. Can you die from getting stung? Can you die from that, though? That's a shitload of bees, to be fair. I've seen my girl, and so I think you yeah. can die from being stung He was by allergic bees. to bees, though. <laughs> but look, looking at his body, like, I don't know, a minute after you know the whole thing happened, I mean, that escalated quickly. Yeah. <laughs> they might have been specific killer bees. Maybe. <laughs> And then we got number five. Five. Um, which is Meg, who's stabbed in the shower. Meg. I love Meg. She was my favourite character. As soon as she introduced herself and said, I'm Meg. M-E-G. <laughs> like she had to spell it. I was like, I love you. You're awesome. I was so sad that she got killed. She's the shower one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So she's That's a good so kill. brutal. Yeah. It's mm. really yeah. disturbing. It's also it's also kind of the most conventional slasher kill in the yeah. it's it's a, a girl a nude girl in the shower getting knifed With I mean knife, that's kind yeah. of your quintessential slasher cliche whereas I think the rest of it's a lot weirder. Yeah, so imagine if that... um, in Psycho Janet Lee had been killed in the shower by a bee's nest being thrown in. That would have been amazing. <laughs> Hitchcock could never. <laughs> right then we've got six. Seven, eight, nine. Which are the four children found dead in their sleeping bags, which is so, even on the Blu-ray, it's so dark, you can hardly even see that they're dead, can you? I mean, like... No, I just see, like, hacked up sleeping bags, some blood. You can see some blood? Torn up sleeping bags? Yeah, yeah. torn up sleeping bags, some blood. You don't really see any bodies, I think. No, it's a strange one. If, if, they, if you're going to kill four children at once, then at least do it on screen. I think. <laughs> Be quite graphic about it. <laughs> <laughs> Surely, come on, we're horror fans. It's what what was like. it we watched um, on a uh, bloody moon, wasn't it? Where the kid gets yes. killed by the car. That's yes. that's how you do it. <laughs> yeah. That's how you kill kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's that? What's that horror film where they're at a camp? It might be some kind of like Scandinavian European film where they there's like a tent of kids and they just Cub. drive a truck through it. Yeah. Cub. Welp. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty brutal. That scene, I thought. Uh, number ten. Hmm. Uh, Judy, who is a, you only see it in silhouette, but she seems to be raped with curling tongs. Oh yeah, a surprisingly well shot sequence given the subject yeah. matter. Like, yeah, uh, it shows an element of restraint that's desirable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably not a very nice way to go. Ugh, no. See, but at the same time, I'm like, huh, how do you die from that? Shock, pain. Yeah. And then the best special effect is next. Eleven. When Mel gets the arrow through his throat in yeah, one unbroken mm. shot. Yeah, Holly and I were talking about how, how they did that effect, and it's, it's really well done. Yeah. How, how did they do it? 
Uh, they you have do a see string. like a string. Yeah, half an arrow on a string. Then the other half is sort of folded back on the actor's neck. Oh, okay. The back of his neck, and then it um, right. the appropriate moment it pops out so that it looks like it's gone straight through. But it's very, very effective. Yeah. Um, the next death is twelve. Is the cop's moustache, which died halfway through filming, <laughs> and yeah. had to be replaced with a little bit of stick on there. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck? Right? <laughs> it doesn't even look real, let alone similar to what he had before. Not at all. Uh, but the real number 12 is another off-screen kill. 12. Which is Paul, who is decapitated, and we know that because we see Angela holding his head while she screams with her cock out. She doesn't actually hold his hand, though. I thought it, I thought she did, but she doesn't. I know. I, I remember her like holding his head in the end, but she didn't do it. We watched it She's last not. night. No. Yeah, positive. That's weird. How do we all remember that? Maybe it's in a publicity I don't know. shot or something. I thought for I sure she held her held his head in her yeah. left hand. So she's kind of holding his head in, as she's in her lap. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. But but then when she stands up, I think yeah, she just puts a it. knife. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so weird that we all remember yeah. it wrong. Hmm. I think because it's just really dark. Your brain just filled it in. Yeah. What? Well, then we've got the two back-to-back sequels. Starring Pamela Springsteen instead of Felissa Rose. Fans, not fans. Love it. I love the second one so much. Like it's my favorite eighty slasher. Really? I used to. I mean, from like my all of my teens, I fucking loved that movie. But I've seen it like over twenty times. I I know it's (laughs) well over twenty times. And when the last time we watched it, I was like, I'm just so done with this movie. I just can't even. I can't even watch it anymore. That's a shame. Um, I'd never seen any of them before, so this was a voyage of discovery. (laughs) Well, watch it nineteen more times, then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, then come back and tell us. I think you have to be in the right mood for it because the the humor in it is so broad, isn't it? Yeah, silly. Um, I do. I I do like a horror killer who goes around killing people because they're fornicators though yeah that's, that's one of my favorite tropes i think it's cleverer than you you think because uh, i i went back to it after not watching it for many many years thinking that it would be dumb and broad uh, but i was surprised how sharp some of the satire is uh, not just about um slasher tropes but also uh, I think it really plays into the moral panic of the time, you know, all the PMRC, Washington Wives stuff. I think Angela really, in this film, represents that kind of tremendous moral terror that there was about American pop culture towards the, the, the end of the 80s. Um, and I think it really works as a, as a, as a satire. I, th- I think it's really funny and sharp, which surprised me, because in my head I, I just remembered some of the kind of broader jokes and... Uh, I, I didn't take into account that it's actually quite, quite witty, quite postmodern. Does that go for both, <laughs> of the, both two and three? Or no, oh, I really? think three. Three's a bit of a letdown, to be fair, which is weird because they shot them back to back. Feels rushed, doesn't it? it yeah. Feels like, yeah, it feels like a mess. It's really odd. Mm. It's probably just like leftover budget from the second one. Mm. Yeah. Oh, we got one more week to shoot. There's still some fun stuff. I mean, Pamela's. Pamela, yeah, she is right. easy for me yeah, to say. Yeah. She, Pamela Springsteen, she's really good. She is yeah. really, really, really good. It's it's so sad that she didn't do more more stuff because she's yeah. so funny in both of those films. Yeah, I agree. And the Happy Camper song is is obviously fantastic. You know, best Springsteen song. Can you ever. listen to a bit of the Happy Camper song. Yes. Oh, I'm a happy camper. I love the summer sun. I love the trees and. 
See, I've, whenever I try to remember how that goes in my head, it always just ends up like this. Oh, hi, the Goofy Goober, yeah. You're a Goofy Goober, yeah. We're all Goofy Goobers, yeah. Goofy Goober, 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 yeah. What is, what is that? SpongeBob, SpongeBob, yeah. That's oh. <laughs> I'd go see uh, Pamela Springsteen do a three and a half hour concert. Just the Happy Camper song on Yeah, loop. just the Happy Camper song forever. <laughs> oh, and and, and, and Angela's rap, rap from Sleepwalk Camp 3, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, of that, um, that black character who listens to hip hop, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. seems to be funk instrumentals. <laughs> They obviously couldn't afford any hip hop on the soundtrack, so it is just like the Casio demo track that he's listening yeah. to. Yeah. Who's had the misfortune of watching Sleepaway Camp for the Survivor? Oh, I you. have. Yes. It's fucking awful. I warned it's, you. Yeah, you did. Bad it's an hour of basically an hour of clips from the uh, yeah. the first three films. Outtakes. I don't know if they're outtakes. Do you think no. are they outtakes? I thought they were. I, thought they I think were. they're just they they seem to be just taken off the VHSs that they rented out oh, of the video okay. library and <laughs> dubbed onto this. <laughs> and then there's like every so often there's a shot of uh, a new Angela or Allison as she's called, sort of looking vacant on a jetty, and then the last five minutes are a bit of a story that they haven't really shot much of. And so there's no ending, there's no no exposition, <laughs> just, and then the credits roll, and it's fucking just one of the worst things I've ever seen. Was that ever officially released? Or? Yes, it went out on DVD. I, I can only imagine they thought, well, we can trick people into thinking we've made a fourth film, even though we've only actually got eight minutes worth of footage out of it. Um, yeah, absolute cunt of a con. Cunt of a con, I've never said that phrase before. <laughs> I think they shot a little less than 20 minutes back in 92 and then they ran out of funds I guess and that footage was included on the uh, US box set back in the early 2000s but Return to Sleepaway Camp I think is my favourite of the sequels oh god I fucking hated it so much I hated that movie so much why Holly? it was so bad everybody was so fucking annoying and yes. I, I hated this the the fat kid who is always in like a filthy sweat stained t shirt <laughs> and like he's like, you know, extra disgusting and it just really bothers me. All the all the fat kids in there are always shown eating and being gross. And uh it's just so many stupid caricatures. I hated the stoner kids. I just I hated everybody in that freaking movie. And it was Even you know, the sheriff? Sheriff Jerry. Oh God, that was so. As soon as as soon as the sheriff was on screen, as soon as it's like. <laughs> don't spoiler it! Don't spoiler it! <laughs> I don't want this one to be spoiled because it's not been seen enough, and I think that ending is amazing. <laughs> it is I so think, obvious. No. I think Michael Gibney, who plays the fat kid, is yes, he's obnoxious, but he's actually, I think, a really good actor. No, he's not. When, Get the fuck when, out of no, here! No, he's good. No, that <laughs> scene—that scene where like, he has the massive breakdown, where it all just gets too much for him, and he's just screaming, and that is I, I just actually sort of touched me slightly. Um, and, <laughs> So weird. I mean, it gets off on a bad foot because the very first shot is a boy light, lighting his farts. And uh, it like, oh, sets oh, the tone, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. Isaac Hayes is in it. He's playing... get behind. <laughs> Isaac Hayes is in it playing a chef and he's dressed just like Chef in South Park. Um, and it's the same director as the original and it's got three original characters and and I, 
and I really enjoyed it. It is know. the most phallic movie I've ever fucking seen. And That's that why maybe why it. why you like it. I mean, <laughs> every every single thing is they're called wankers when motioning jerking off on ketchup bottles, penis slips, dick face, <laughs> penis face. I mean, it's just nonstop and it's just so annoying. And all the gay subtext from from Sleepaway Camp is like just blown out of the water in Return to the Sleepaway Camp. Return to Sleepaway Camp and all the boys like are always in their undies or naked or no shirt. There's like they can never be fully clothed and it it is kind of weird because yes, but these kids are like young and it's weird. They're young in this. Actually, something we haven't talked about is the way that the ending of the first film doesn't really have any fucking bearing on the sequels, does it? She literally says at one point, like, oh, I had an operation or something. Yeah, and she's yeah like, oh, right, that's fine. Great cool. line. It's a shame. Imagine what they might have done. She, I mean, it might have been fucking awful. I think, I think was, it would have been awful. The, the line was, she says something like, I had an operation and two years of therapy, <laughs> having been arrested for multiple murder. <laughs> she had two years of therapy and operation, and that's fine. And they let her go be a camp counsellor. Yeah, but that's a, it's a really funny, intentionally funny line, I think, in the second Yeah. If you've been paying attention, you'll have noticed that we were going to cover Body Count as one of our features this uh, this month, but <laughs> we watched it and we decided there wasn't really enough to talk about. Um, does anyone have anything to say about Body Count? I like oh, Body Count. Fuck it. <laughs> I quite liked it. I, I, quite I like it a lot, it. actually. Well, what annoys me it's is... Okay. Um, Ruggiero Diodato was such a great director in his time, in the 70s and 80s, and whatever genre he put his... Put his mind to it would come you know come out with a really good example of it and body count he does his first american style slasher and just doesn't seem to put any effort in to make it different no. or interesting he he um, really doesn't like it at all if you read interviews with him about it he he's really ashamed of it um he said he just did it for the money um you know it was a kind of hack job which is a shame because like you say he is a fantastic director but it's a dreadful film he, he made some comment about one of the writers um he said that this writer apparently goes around telling people that he wrote body count and dear Dutt is like why would you, why would anyone tell anyone that they'd written body count he was aghast <laughs> if you want to see a good deodato slasher you watch phantom of death that's a really good one. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good, good. That's not really yeah. a slasher, is it? But it's a yeah, very of. good film. Body Count I've seen twice, and I would watch it one more time if, you know, Arrow or Severin or somebody cleaned it up so I can actually see it, because it's so dark. It is so oh, dark. It's no. so hard to see. The music's good. Claudio yeah. Simonetti's soundtrack is great. Yeah. Music's very and, good. And uh, one fun fact, um, unless IMDb is mistaken, which it could very well be, uh, stars David Hess and Charles Napier, born the same year and died in the same year it's kind of interesting but it can't kill them we can't talk about campsite slashers without mentioning Friday the 13th um, as the first one the second one the sixth one and the remake qualify as campsite slashers the others are set in houses and stuff um, and space who wants to, t- and who space. Wants to talk about damn it and space <laughs> Fucking fuck Jason no. X. <laughs> Jason X is by far the best. By oh my god. Get out of here. So good. Oh Jason, god. Jason X is awesome. So good. It's Get amazing. out of here. The yeah. best so one. Is really Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by far. By far the best oh. one. Oh. Well, it's not the best one, but it's a good one. I, I love Jason X. But then again, I, but, I love all of them. 
Actually, Sarah, do you have any um, relationship with the Friday the 13th films, being a not a slasher fan at all? I have no relationship with the Friday the 13th films, to the point where, like, I think when I saw Scream for the first time, I didn't, I hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen Halloween and all those kind of trivia questions at the beginning were just straight over my head. All right. They're, they're good, honest slasher films. I don't think they're incredible at all. I wouldn't give any of them more than three stars. Um, Get out of the, here. The initial ones, anyway. Jason X, I think it's brilliant. No, not Jason X. Jason Lives. <laughs> it's Jason my favourite horror franchise. Of all the ones with like tons of sequels, it's my oh, favourite. Wow. Hands down. Yes. I just watched the first one about half an hour ago before we started uh, recording. Um, it was the first time I've watched it for quite a while. I think having watched a few campsite slashes this month for this and found that I actually enjoyed the, a lot of them more than I thought that I would, I thought, oh, maybe the first Friday the 13th is really good, but... It is so much walking around in the dark. Yeah. Like, most of that movie is just single characters walking around in the dark waiting to be killed. And I think that's my least favourite slasher thing. And that's why I think a lot of the sequels are better. They're better characters. There's Mm. more stuff happening instead of just walking or waiting. The first one... Yeah, I like like it more when it goes supernatural. Um, You know, when you start getting all the crazy shit in, like, part six and seven. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, controversial opinion, I think the remake is on a par with the original. So I bad. tried watching it. I can't even. It's I terrible. can't even get past the credits. I love all Fridays <laughs> except the remake. I just, I, the, I mind you, the, cred- the credits don't appear till about half an hour in. Yeah, so, yeah. and <laughs> so I can't. I can't far. make it. I tried. <laughs> and it's not even a remake. It's not a remake. Well, no, it's it's kind of a sort of um, a alternate it's a reboot, universe sequel to Part Two, isn't it? Um, which I like. I quite like that. I quite like the way they sort of um, smushed the first three films together and made a new film out of it. Um, the dialogue is pretty terrible. Just people saying fuck and talking about weed the whole time. Um, but but I, the violence is good. I mean, it's uh, being you know a twenty first century film. Obviously, the violence is stronger than in most of the original eighties yeah. Friday Thirteenth. So yeah, if you want to see people killed nicely, then. Uh, nicely. Killed nicely. It's a good film. Killed nicely. If you want some tips, you fucking lunatics, watch this one. (laughs) Some nice kills. I used to run a Friday the 13th website back in the late 90s, so I'm obviously a big fan. Well, you used to run a bloody murder fan site, really. I did. (laughs) What? Why? (laughs) Bloody murder is fucking terrible. I wish I could answer that. I, I don't know. I'm just fascinated with those movies, I guess. It's something different. Wow. It's not different, though, is it? Because like they even no. go as far as making the, the killer's name sound a bit like Jason Voorhees. Well, I mean, the movies Morehouse are different, but, you know, who else made new Bloody Murder websites? No one, so why not? Why, not <laughs> why did you do it? Because nobody else had. I, someone had to do it. I can it. understand that, yeah. The enjoyment I got out of Bloody Murder... Was it so of its time, which was 1999, 2000? Because yeah, the, the heroine keeps getting in touch with her dad via the medium of dial up email. Kids <laughs> 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 oh. getting a massive laptop out from under the bed and you get <laughs> And then you get a voiceover of her dad's emails that sounded like he recorded it sitting on a toilet. Um, it's, it's just it's so bad, that film. So bad. The second one is pretty good, though. I like the second one way more than the first one. 
I got sent the second one for free uh, from an eBay seller. Uh, I bought something else off him, and he, he kind of wrapped the sleeve and the disc of Bloody Murder 2 around whatever it was that I'd actually bought. He <laughs> just threw it run, in. Out, run out of bubble wrap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I, and I watched watch it that? just because I was like, oh, wicked, free DVD. And it's really... I mean, it's not, it's not terrible, but it's just... It's pretty mediocre. Um, yeah. Which is why it's so strange. Like, I could almost imagine someone doing a fan site for a truly terrible movie. <laughs> but one that's just like, yeah, that's about two stars. Yeah, the it's, second it's one. Weird. <laughs> it, it was it was watchable. The first one was painful. That was painful. And I kept. Yeah, I remember. Is. I just kept asking Richard, like, what did you like about this movie? And he couldn't even answer me. <laughs> the first one is so bad. <laughs> right. What other slashes do you want to talk about, guys? I've got plenty to choose from. Did you guys watch Madman? Yeah. No. No. Didn't get around to I that. I really like Madman. It's fine. I think it, it was much like Friday the Thirteenth, really. It's fine. Strange. I've, I've never seen Madman. It's one of the few. You haven't seen it. That. that kind of surprises no, no, me. It's, it's it's one of those from that era that just I don't know. Did you know Galen Ross is in it from Dawn of the Dead? I did not. It's got one of those scenes where they're sitting around the campfire telling the story about the the legend. But yeah. is it, it's, it's is sung. it called Madman Mars? Madman Mars. Is that that's the killer, yeah. Madman yeah. Mars? There's a great song. Yeah, it's that they actually sing the legend. Wow. That's amazing. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm very into musical wow. things. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a musical <laughs> sequence particularly. But, well, no, um, but just no. It's not. It's, in fact, that was a lie. I don't really like musicals, but I love like songs in films that are. Do you want to talk, um, you want to talk about stage fright then? As we're yes. Doing? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It is. I liked uh, it a lot. Did we? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Is this a historic first? Did we all like stage fright? I love stage fright. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it all. Yeah, is this... there we go. Whoa! <laughs> it's like the all one five film of us. Like, like if this what is the first time, surely, that all, all five of us. Let's call it quits. But I, I like musicals as well, so... Um... I hate musicals, but I like Oh, it. I love them. Love them. I love musicals. It's weird. If you look at the 22 films I've ever given five stars to on Letterboxd, like six of them are musicals or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, isn't like your favourite film ever, Oliver? Yeah, uh, it's my second favourite film ever. So, yeah. uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sue me. Um, no, uh, do, you, do you want to talk about Stage Fright, Sarah? Uh, I don't know what there is to say about it. Uh, I really like the Kabuki joke. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just the mask is so cool. I like how yeah. smarmy the theatre director is. He's like such a fucking creep, but he's good. He's good at being <laughs> yeah. a creep. And Meatloaf I, is I really, really good. really, really really love the songs I think it shows yeah, such an understanding of musical theatre its composition its its tropes it's just so perfectly done it's nice and varied as well all sorts of different um, yeah. styles of music in it as well yeah yeah, yeah. Like, sort of cheesy Broadway um, show tunes and metal and opera and things like that it, yeah yeah I think, I think it's just chronically underrated. I, I can't believe so few people have seen it because it's such a genuinely great movie. And I love I love all the nods to other horror movies. Yeah. Like Texas Chainsaw, Pin, uh, Hellraiser. Oh, yeah, the Hellraiser yeah. thing yeah, is awesome. Yeah, that's good. That's Opera. brilliant, yeah. And it's a much yeah. better uh, slasher musical than Vincent D'Onofrio's Don't Go In The Woods. <laughs> that one's pretty terrible. Are there any other slasher musicals that are good? Nope. I don't think there are any other slasher uh, I musicals. I can't think of any. Camp Slaughter's got a musical <laughs> sequence in it that comes out of nowhere. Amazing. For the Swedish what, film. Sorry? 
Camps oh, also, so the Swedish film. It is awful. Is that the one with Fred, Richard? Yes, yes. the one with Fred, Fred Anderson's in it. Fred Anderson, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it. He begged me not it's to terrible. watch it. Oh, it's terrible. Wow. He's, actually, he's actually one of the best things in it, to be honest. Is he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, there's some bits uh, involving the killer's mum that are quite arty in a low-budget attempt at being arty way. And at one point, she just starts singing a song in a, and there's a musical sequence just in the middle <laughs> it's probably the best bit of the film it's, it's dreadful it's a terrible film um yeah i think my favorite of all these rewatches and first time watches was scalps i gotta that. rewatch that yeah i haven't seen that one in years so i remember liking it but you know, it didn't it's, really stand out i mean it, it's a piece of shit um but it's <laughs> a piece of shit that someone had the great idea of putting a load of droney music on top of to make it really atmospheric. Yeah. You're not selling it. Yeah, I can't sell it. It's, it's just a piece of shit. <laughs> okay. But it's a piece of shit free. that just really has great vibe to it. It's something I want okay. to watch again. I think it was something we watched before it had a like restoration. I want to mention Jeff Lieberman's Just Before Dawn, oh, which is so one good. my favorite backwood slasher. Yeah. It's so good. It is Looks so great. Good. It's really creepy. I love the killer. Um, yeah, has such a dreamy atmosphere. It's got a great score by the guy who did Terminator, Brad something. Fidel, Brad Fidel. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. really beautiful sunsets in the burning and just before dawn. Just before dawn was filmed in Oregon, I think, in the woods, yeah. and it's just gorgeous. Uh, I mean, you got Greg Henry, George Kennedy, Chris yeah. Lemon. Oh, George Kennedy's so, great. Oh, and and Mike Kellen yeah. from Sleepaway Camp, Mel. Obsessed. <laughs> I am. <laughs> And the best fist-in scene in all of cinema. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Rift off in Inglorious Bastards. I found myself enjoying films that, which I've heard of just the worst, like Cheerleader Camp and Terror at Ten Killer. I thought they were both okay. Yeah, Cheerleader Camp like is good. I don't like Cheerleader Camp. Do you not like Cheerleader Camp because it has that same uh, obnoxious fat character who's always shown being a complete slob? I hate that so slot. much. Yeah. I just think it's so ridiculous. Um, well, in uh, Cheerleader Camp, that character is called Timmy. He's played by Travis McKenna. And I looked up Travis McKenna's other credits. And in Doing Time, he plays Slob. In Real Men, Oaf. <laughs> in Party Plane, God. he plays Humongous. In Batman oh. Returns, he plays Fat Clown. In Migo, <laughs> in Migo he plays Huge Man. So At least he's working. Casper meets Wendy, he plays Phil Fatso. And Stormcatcher, he plays Big Man. Jesus. Uh, yeah. But also, Cheerleader wow. Camp's got um, Betsy Russell in it, who is Jill from the Saw films. And Leif Garrett. <laughs> yeah, and Leif Garrett. Ooh. Leif Garrett from Devil Times 5. Leif Garrett from Devil Times 5. Oh, from Devil Times 5. Yes. From the film. <laughs> 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 what? No, he's not. In I was wanted to do that other... The unfriended guy. Yeah. The unfriended ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of typecasting, did anyone watch Berserker? With George Buckflower, oh, who always I... plays a drunk. He's always well, credited he as like hobo, homeless man. <laughs> in in this though, he's a Scandinavian immigrant, and he's not homeless, but he does guzzle a lot of beer. I I like Berserker. I've got a yeah. I kind of like it. One. Yeah, I love it because it takes place in Little Norway. Yeah. Mm. Ah, hence the Viking reference. Yeah. And the cool dude song. Yeah. Do you remember that, CJ? No, I the don't. Cool the cool dude song is the best part of Berserker. George Flowers plays uh, Papi Nyquist and speaks with his <laughs> yeah. very weird accent. <laughs> oh, I've got to rewatch that. He's, tr- he's trying to do Scandinavian, but I don't know. it's never yeah. been released on DVD, has it? Berserker. Yes, it has. 
In, right. It has. I've got an old VHS of it somewhere. In the UK. Yeah, you can get it for. I don't know. In the UK. Right. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm going on eBay. Okay, well, that's enough of talking around the subject. Let's move on to our second feature, which is Tony Maylam's 1981 summer camp slasher, The Burning. This summer, if you're planning to go camping, don't. If you're looking forward to midnight swims, don't. And if you're thinking about being with someone where no one can see you, don't. Summer, a legend of terror isn't just a campfire story anymore. They say he smashed his way through the bunk room door, just a mass of flames. Cried out, I will return, I will have my revenge. What happened one summer five years ago is about to happen again and again and again. That's how that trailer ends. Um, That's how that trailer ends, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Five years after a practical joke went badly wrong, leaving its victim horribly disfigured, he returns to the scene of the crime to kill a bunch of summer camp kids. So, Richard, this was your pick. Yeah, it was. Probably my favourite camp, at least summer camp slasher, even more so than Friday the 13th and its sequels. Uh, it's one of those first 80s slashers I watched. I uh, got it on VHS back in the, I don't know, mid-late 90s. And it just blew me away. I just loved it. it had everything I wanted it to have. You know, great gore, uh, you know, murder set pieces, great music. If it had the uh, ending from Sleepaway Camp, it would probably be the greatest movie ever made. Cropsy's <laughs> well, turning out to have a cock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, guys, it wasn't burnt off in the fire after all. <laughs> I mean, if it, had, if it had that kind of ending, it would be, like, perfect. I, think the I, I still good, consider though. it perfect. Yeah, yeah I, think it's, it's I mean, great... they really go all in on getting rid of him, don't they? <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it's fantastic, the burning. Really, really good film. Yeah. I just like the characters a lot. I, I love mm. all the characters. And just... I do, yeah. And I'll tell you what, there's a couple of um, actors in it who really remind me of people, and I wish I could figure out who it was. But could could um, it be Oscar winning Holly Hunter? No, 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 no. no. Fisher Stevens? No, I mean, I'm talking about Barbara, the one with the big black curly hair. She really reminds me of someone, and I can't figure it out. Um, and the other one is Woodstock, the boy who looks like a girl. I think that's maybe... Fisher Stevens. That is Fisher Stevens. That's He's why. The plague yeah. from Hackers, isn't it? I've never seen Hackers or anything else oh, Fisher Stevens ever been in. Short Circuit. Seen something? Yeah, he's something been in everything. Yeah. No, he's no, no, no thing is he reminds well. me of a woman. He reminds me of some famous woman, or maybe just a woman. I know, but <laughs> just, he, just he looks a, a bit like Miranda Sawyer. Um, <laughs> Holly and Richard won't know who Miranda Sawyer is and yeah. look on their faces see James there I don't either I'm, I'm, no. I'm googling her right now to see what you mean I mean are you being serious now Cliff you don't know who Fisher Stevens is I, I can't tell if you're joking or not Cliff doesn't watch <laughs> a lot of like proper films I know but I, I, <laughs> I think I think this is the only slasher movie to feature two Oscar winners yeah. in the cast oh, good trivia yeah, Holly Hunter so. and Fisher, Fisher Stevens. Stevens. <laughs> what did Fisher Stevens win for? Fisher Stevens, that nobody who's never been in anything. <laughs> what did he win for? Well, that wasn't for acting, so it was you know, best documentary. Yeah, true. It was uh, okay. producing. The Cove. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Okay. I, I would have done my Fisher Stevens research if I knew that he was wasn't. <laughs> 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 But it's think, just like uh, the bloke who looks like Miranda Sawyer, as far as I'm concerned. I think the fact that there's real actors in this make, makes a difference. I mean, even though they weren't famous yeah. at the time, you know, people like good actors. and George from Seinfeld. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like it's weird watching this and Friday the Thirteenth in quite quick succession because obviously that was made by a bunch of like porno guys who were trying to make a proper movie, mm-hmm. and it kind of shows. Whereas the burning is that's almost a post-porn fact. <laughs> I was waiting for the music. <laughs> almost, <laughs> it is kind. Of, I mean, Friday. The thirteenth is kind of a, a post-porn fact, isn't it? Really, because you know Harry, Harry Manfredini, Sean Cunningham, you know they both come. Kevin Bacon, they're all done porn. Well, no, not Kevin Bacon. He's kind of the exception, but Steve Miner. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, it's interesting seeing the burning because that's got a level of professionalism that just really shows through. Like it feels yeah. like a real movie. Because uh, even the Weinstein's, I mean, it was like their first movie, I think. Yes. Yeah, that's weird, least, isn't it? Uh, they've only first, written two films, yeah. and Burning is one of them. But but you really feel like, oh yeah, I can see why these guys became massive because you know the, the, it's a it's just a great film. It's a proper film with characters, dialogue, beautiful photography, uh, just everything about it. Just great works score so by well. Rick Wakeman. Oh yeah, yes. the scores. Score. Well, talking yeah. of the photography, I think um, one of the things about Campsite Slashes is that. You don't even have to have a, have great photography for just the scenery to naturally look great. I mean, look, look at something like Don't Go in the Woods, which is a piece of absolute shit, but it looks lovely because the scenery. Yeah, but then there's a difference. Like, body count still looks pretty crappy, even even though, you know, it has elaborate scenery, where, whereas the burning, it's just the way it shoots that scenery. It's, I mean, there's hobbies that already said, the, the sunset. From, guys. Uh, <laughs> just wanted to throw that out oh. there. It's from Buffalo. It was from the Buffalo, New York. All oh, right. That's cool. Yeah. But I like how it uses that local folklore as well. Like the Cropsey thing is mm. a New York uh, sort of urban, urban legend, legend slash, yeah. yeah um, and I, I, yeah, I like that 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 it that it really feels like it's taking place in a a real place. It, it's got mm. that sense of I, I don't want to say place again, but it's, it's got a sense of place. And cut the cut the previous two places. It's got a sense of place. <laughs> And that's, that's ten, uh, ten places. Yeah. Um, Savini's effects are so good too. Like his oh, signature yeah. show the audience that the weapon is real. Like how he uses yeah. that. You know, the axe hits the the lamp in Friday the Thirteenth. The garden shears stick into wood in the burning. It's such a good tactic that he uses. The prank that sets Cropsy on fire involves a maggoty, a maggot-ridden skull, which I think that would be more horrible for the people leaving it in his hut than it is to wake up and see. It's at least as horrible. The one question I have is where they got it from. Yeah. Where did they get the maggoty skull? Um, I did think that, yeah, but that prank involved them really breaking in and getting really close to him and, like, putting themselves in a lot of danger even if everything hadn't caught on fire. I just think, yeah, it was really weirdly tense and and a really stupid prank to play because you're like, this is putting you at too much risk. Yeah, especially when he's sleeping and, like, he turns and you think he's going to wake up. It's a great yeah. scene. Mm, yeah, yeah. But, like, why is he sleeping in a shed with, like, a massive tank full of petrol anyway? <laughs> like, that is, that is, like, you fucking deserve to get burned alive, dude. If you're going to sleep with, like, like massive gasoline thing next to your bed. Like, what are you doing? And he then nice. spends five years in hospital with his burns, which yeah. seems excessive. And when you see them, they're not very healed. <laughs> he probably goes on a killing spree because of how much the fucking hospital bill cost after five years. <laughs> well, I actually thought five years sounds a bit ridiculous. So I looked up someone who 
um, has had that much burns and find out, you know, how long they spent in hospital. There was some British kid who was in a fire, 95% burns or something. And uh, he spent six months in, um, in hospital. But I don't think when they let him out, the first thing he did was murder a prostitute. So... It's a bit weird, though, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe he was worse off because he didn't put a crash helmet on like Cropsy did once he caught on fire. Because that's one of the things you see on the Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But that dude is fucking on fire. Like, I I, I didn't really mind the fact that they didn't actually murder a stuntman just because he was on fire for a really (laughs) long time. I think the effect itself is great. The stunt is great. It's just a real shame that... uh, Was it Shout Factory who did the Blu-ray? It's a real shame that they didn't transfer that a little bit more diplomatically like just yeah. kind of duck and right. that so you can because i'd never noticed it before uh, um, when I've watched can we, it can we say the same about the scene where the the boys do their mooning and you can in oh yeah you can see, see their cock and balls yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Fisher stevens again i didn't let that yeah, yeah. yeah. probably could have darkened that as well i reckon yeah. the guy who did that burn was only 17 years old son of a stuntman and he was wow. uh, unfortunately killed five years later on Airwolf, the TV show. Oh man, that sucks. Yeah, he survived the Not... burning, but killed on a TV show. Uh-huh. All right, let's have a body count. Body count, body count. So the first one, one is the prostitute who's stabbed with scissors at the start. Clearly, just to give us something to get excited about, because it's a long time until anyone else dies. Yeah, but it is quite exciting seeing all that early '80s Times Square footage that they shoot. Yeah, yep. yes. quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. That woman has the li- the least survival instincts of just any woman on earth, let alone a prostitute. Like, you just look at that guy. It's like, that guy's definitely going to murder you. Don't invite yeah. him in. What are you doing? Yeah. He looked like the invisible man. <laughs> yeah. And then it looks like the first victim is going to be Tiger, the girl with the world's worst helmet hair. Um, oh, bless her. Because she goes into the woods to pick up a baseball and then she, uh, he, she, Cropsy's about to kill her. But she picks up a baseball and that renders Cropsy powerless. So he cuts <laughs> off. <does> <laughs> hey, all serial killers have got a weakness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Two. Karen, who has just been skinny dipping with Eddie, has her throat slashed with shears. Um, is that a good fact? I can't remember, to be honest. Yeah. 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 It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's very dark. But on the behind the scenes footage, you can see it clearly. It's a good effect. Then we've got the bit that, for me, is what makes the burning stand out. Mm. Three, four, five, six, seven. The Raft Massacre. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah that that might be that. the best kill scene in any movie ever. It's yeah. just so well set up. And you just... You, I mean, it's so extreme. You really don't get to see that many people slashed uh, at once uh, and it's such a surprise mm. you know you kind yeah. of think maybe something terrible is going to be in the canoe like you think maybe it's Karen's body yeah. there's that like agonising build up uh, and... I thought it was going to be Alice from Friday the 13th yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jason's well, yeah that's, that's weirdly the thing isn't it is that as soon as you see a canoe you know there's going to be something and the thing is when they when they edited that sequence, they told the editor, "It's like, oh, you gotta, you gotta make it longer. You gotta make it longer to extend the, you know, whatever before they get to the actual kind of yeah. to make it yeah. even, even worse. It's or, weird or better. Like we complained about that with Friday the Thirteenth because it's just a lot of people kind of walking around in the dark with sinister music playing, and you know they're about to get killed. But weirdly, that part in the burning really worked for me because maybe because it's daylight and because like they're all just having yeah. a nice time like, on the raft. Together. Yeah, and they're all together. I, I and 
you don't yeah, expect them to get killed. Like uh-huh. when they're in no, a you group don't know. like you that, just don't know. it's just it's incredible. I don't think I've ever seen a slasher film where that happens. Like they all just get no. killed at once. I mean, it's just such a scene. And, and that one shot as well where he comes out with the shears against yeah. the sky. I mean, that's so just magnificent. I think the closest we get is in Jason Lives, the uh, triple decapitation, the paintballers. Yeah. yeah. Good one, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's not even close to, to this. No. It's, not, it's not as shocking. It's for, for, for a laugh, isn't it? Rather than yeah. a big horror moment. Okay, I, uh, this one I've just got. Eight. Sally off screen. Do we know how she dies? No. Garden shares. Well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good bet. And then nine. Glazer impaled That's, through thrust. His was Such so good. good. Yeah. It's awesome. He's yeah. our favorite good character. Yeah. I love Glazer. <laughs> <laughs> He's so funny. Sad to see him go. I know. And finally, because it's uh, just edges into uh, double figures. Ten. Cropsy, who is stabbed in the back by Alfred, axed in his rubbery face by Todd, and set light to by Alfred. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's, I think Crops' face does look a bit too rubbery at this point. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, they, they make sure he's dead all right, don't they? I hated yeah. Alfred. I thought he was such, oh, a, such, such a, a shit creep. Oh, such a creep. I didn't understand why he didn't get killed. I know. Cropsy had him like pinned to the wall and just left him there. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I there are definitely some questions I have about Cropsy's uh, like plans because the canoe thing as well. How long was he lying in that canoe for? <laughs> <laughs> just like hoping that they were going <laughs> to... Okay. I think maybe pin Alfred to the wall to kind of lure Todd in because Todd was obviously one of the kids. Yeah, and he was looking for Alfred. Yeah, for some weird reason but... he was one of the kids. <laughs> Set him on fire. But, mm. I don't know. but given the, the given given his canoe thing, like I feel like we've established he has a lot of patience, like and that he has no problem attacking two people together. So yeah. I don't know. I just I, it's a little bit inconsistent. I enjoyed yeah, all the kills, but. I think Alfred should have been killed because at best he's a fucking peeping Tom. He's yeah. awful. I thought he was going to have his eyes out, you know, that I scene know. where he's um, yeah, like pinned to the he wall. Should've... He yeah. should have Especially died. because, yeah, as you've established, he's a peeping Tom. Like, yeah. I really thought th- that the shears were going in his eyes. I was a little yeah. bit disappointed yeah. that they didn't. Yeah. Well, there are too many survivors in that film, aren't there? I, I like a slasher <laughs> where there's one person left at the end. Yeah. I don't like, I don't I don't like uh, it when there's uh, no. But this had a, this I, had a believable uh, amount of kids at a summer yeah. camp, though. Yeah, that's the thing. Like a lot of them, there's not that many to begin with. Yeah. You don't know who's going to die. You don't know who's going to live. Whereas a lot of slashes are so formulaic that you yeah. just know, yep, dead, dead, dead. And there's that montage uh, as well at the end that Todd seems to have flashbacks to all the kills that even though yeah. he's to watch and see them. <laughs> but, but it's obviously just you know, let's just throw loads of gore again. Um, no, that's Cropsy thinking about. Yeah, it's Cropsy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It looks like <laughs> it's Todd that's having the flashbacks. But it's it's weirdly edited. Yeah, well, it's edited by Jack Shoulder, who directed yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, which is brilliant. Uh, just like having sex at summer camp, this next part of the show is fucking intense. Hey. It's our quiz, Scary Noises. <laughs> CJ and Sarah are currently just ahead with three wins to two, uh, but whoever wins this month's game gets to pick one of the films we'll be covering next month. So you know how this works. So here's your first pair of scary noises. Okay, girls. Looks like we're going to Norway. Norway? Can't go to Norway. Yeah, Richard. Music is Jason Lives. Yes. Dialogue is Ah Berserker. No. Oh, I thought you were going to get that, especially because of the Norway thing. <laughs> All right, CJ and Sarah. Yeah, the dialogue to identify. Okay, girls. Looks like we're going. 
to Norway. Norway? You can't go to Norway. That's on the other side of the world. Yeah. And how do we know it's for real? I mean, Daniel, that's a long way to go to find out if it's a hoax. Because I saw the picture. This is a bona fide infected arm. You know this. This is... All the signs are there, guys. No. Oh, Richard. No. <laughs> I, I think I know it. Yeah, oh, you know it? Is it Dead Snow too? It certainly is Dead Snow too. yeah. Uh, yuck. Right, okay, number two. Stacy, won't you have a knock? Sorry, uh, I, I don't usually bust in like this, but we need you both up in the office. What's the matter? I don't know. Richie's been missing since the campfire, and TP went to find him, and then Dave went to find them, and so nobody's... Richard? Dialogue is Madman. Yes. And I know the music. Uh, How I Spy the Cemetery. It's not. No. CJ and Sarah are the music to identify. Stacy, won't you have a knock? Sorry. Uh, I don't usually bust in like this, but we need you both up in the office. What's the matter? I don't know. Richie's been missing since the campfire, and TP went to find him, and then Dave went to find them, and nobody's returned yet. So I figured it would be better if we're all available for duty, so to speak. It's really familiar. Is it Maniac? Oh no, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh, oh. so close, so yeah. close. They said Harry Potter, the serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> would watch that. Yeah, I would totally watch that. <laughs> uh, right, so there's two nil to Holly and Richard. Here's number three. I hear you're having trouble with the snake. Uh, I don't know if it's music or dialogue, but the shower is sleepaway camp. It is. That is actually the wow. music. <laughs> That's Meg. It's, it's Meg. How, how did you recognise <laughs> that? <laughs> that um, did you get the dialogue at all? Oh, that was the music. That, oh, yeah, her, that, that yeah, was the music. Okay. Yeah. Dialogue is full moon high. No. CJ. <laughs> 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 It's going to be a fun roll high. Well, it's not. It's not full. Eventually. CJ and Sarah, dialogue to identify here. I hear you're having trouble with the snake. You must be counseled. No, I've just seen Ernie's anger. You're a doctor. No, forgive me. I'm your neighbour, James Dunn. Oh, and you're going to uphold family tradition and slay the beast. Incredible, isn't <laughs> I have a feeling it might be Lair of the White Worm. Yeah, Lair of the yeah. White Worm. Oh, was that Hugh Grant? It was Hugh Grant and Amanda. Ah, yeah. was it? I didn't I know. Even I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was Hugh Grant, but then I was like, Hugh Grant hasn't been in a horror movie. Lair of the White Worm. There we go. Was it? Was it Notting Hill? <laughs> <laughs> Three one to uh, Holly and Richard. Now, here's number four. You start with Allison. She's so fine. Richard. <laughs> Is it Sleepaway Camp 3? It's not Sleepaway Camp 3, no. All right, so CJ and Sarah, both music and dialogue on offer. Oh, I, I know what it is. You start with Alison. She's so fine. I know what it is now, too. God fucking damn it. Next is him. She comes out with a fam. And we tell you this. She ain't no shit. This is funny. That's kind of funny. She's hot, but not your money. Yeah, I think I know both now. Yeah. Wow. Do you get any of it, CJ, Sarah? The music sounds familiar, but I don't know what it is. I should have waited longer. Okay. You should have. So, go on then. What, what do you think it is? Cheerleader, Cheerleader camp, camp is yeah. the and, rap. And tramps? 
Yes, yes well done. Yes, yes God yeah. fucking damn it. Oh my God. Yeah. I love that film. That's so annoying. That's one of, one of the few soundtracks that I actually listened to. And I, I mm. still, the, the, the rap just threw me off. <laughs> I knew I recognised it, but I couldn't have That was Liv Garrett. <laughs> Sadly, no points there. You could have got three if you hadn't damn. buzzed in too right. early. Anyway. Yeah, I should have waited. Here's Richard. the fifth one. You're not ah, a virgin. Ah, I can't. I am too a virgin. Hey. Uh, is the music society? Yes. Do you get the dialogue? Moonstalker. No. Uh, so the dialogue, CJ and Sarah. You're not a virgin. I am too a virgin. I technically am, but... Whatever, what does it matter? Because it just does, Vicky. You have to be a virgin in this movie in order to kill Billy, okay? And the only Hello. true blue virgin here... Oh fucking hell! So is it? Um, is this final? Final girls. girls? Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm ashamed that I got that. <laughs> Stop. Uh, right. So the score with one pair of scary noises to go is four to Holly and Richard and two to CJ and Sarah. So this is my favourite trick. We present our guest with a play Who is that? Richard. Uh, body count music. Yes. Dialogue is <sighs> full moon high. <laughs> <laughs> You don't know how close you are. Um, oh. So the dialogue for CJ and Sarah. So this is my favourite trick. We present our guest with a plate of busquets. And then I will say, why don't you eat some busquets? Yay! <laughs> what we do in the shadows? What we do in the shadows? Uh, oh, that's what I meant. Sorry. That's like my favourite joke from that film as well. <laughs> right, so final score there. Uh, Holly and Richard 4, CJ and Sarah 3. So, uh, well, your prize is to choose our first feature next month. Holly's already picked one, so Richard, what would you like to pick? Um, yeah, maybe I'll pick uh, Necronomicon. Good one. Yeah. Necronomicon, great. Yeah. Oh. That was Scary Noises. So that's the end of episode seven. I'm going to spend the next three days trying to squeeze my tent back into the tiny little bag it comes in. And then we'd better start thinking about episode eight. Holly has chosen anthology movies for next month's theme and our features will be Tales from the Hood and Necronomicon. Please say nice things about us on iTunes. Find us on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter and Letterboxd. And if you like, you can email us at dx5podcast at gmail.com. See you next time. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 